Welcome to Anderswick Church. We hope this message empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Uh, today we are going to continue with the theme that we've been on. We took a, a, a pause on it last week because we had the Gilpins here. Uh, Dave and Jenny, did anyone enjoy that? Anyone watched it again on the YouTube and had to tune back in? I think a, it was a very, very incredible Sunday, very powerful time. But um, today we are uh, continuing the theme, uh, Let's Get Honest, a series on relationships. And uh, we have the privilege this morning of, um, we didn't pick it, but we were given it, the opportunity to share about parenting. Parenting. That's right. We're going to get honest about parenting, aren't we? It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it is. So we thought that we should prep a sermon together uh, for this and that we could use this opportunity to hear from uh, a dad, also from a mum yeah. on some of these matters, and um, I guess parenting. Let me just let me set it up for a little bit. We we are talking about parenting, and if you already have decided that you're going to tune out, um, please don't. <laughs> let me just say something. Parenting is for those who have grown up kids with grandchildren, for those that have young adult kids, for those who have teenagers, for those that have school kids, for those who have toddlers, or you maybe you're in the baby stage still. This idea and these thoughts, I believe, are for you. And I'm praying and hoping that this will be helpful for everyone. If you don't have children here, at some point, we believe and know that you will be at some point, right? That's hopefully the idea. That's the goal. Um, we, we believe that today will be helpful for all of us. And you might think, Jared, this doesn't apply to me. In fact, I was talking to someone already about that this week, and they said, well, I'm probably going to skip Sunday. I was like, yeah, we're going to talk about parenting. They're like, ah, well, that's right. We'll just, uh, we'll skip this Sunday. And uh, actually, I just want to say that person is here in the room. So shout out to you. Um, It's Alicia. No. Hey, I'm going to be honest though. We're talking on parenting today. This week has been the hardest week with our children. I had a few episodes in public. It was this like, scooters being thrown, screaming, like World War III. And it was like... Oh, of course, God. Of course, we're going to speak on this and you're going to like test me mm. to actually practice what we preach. Sometimes we have to get specific about things and that's why parenting has been picked for today. And in fact, we're talking about parenting in all of our locations. And we have to, I, I believe, not just choose today what fits well for me, but really apply what could be a fit at some point in life mm. and think today of what could be. Grandparents, think of your grandchildren. Mm. Parents, obviously, think of your children, whether they're adults or they're, they're young, uh, those that do not think of what could be in the future, because everything that God does in our life is worked out and is through the mechanism of relationship. And parenting just happens to be one of the greatest opportunities, one of the greatest relationships that we get to have or sign up for, or maybe if you don't feel it, like you signed up for it, you've got it anyways. It would be one of the most fulfilling and exciting roles There is no hood like parenthood, is what they say. (laughs) For the gangsters out there. (laughs) But the, the, the grace, the grace of God, I believe, is so, so all over 
parents. It's in place for parents. It's for anyone who even has a parent role in someone's life. Can we talk about that? We have the opportunity today to talk about shaping the next generations, to shape the ones that come after us or the ones that are still, we feel like they're coming after us to help them and to lead them and to guide them. And so um, we have some thoughts to share. We're parents, aren't we? We are parents. What are our credentials? Who are well, we've children? got three children. We've got Brioni, who's eight, Knox, who's five, and has turned into the Hulk since starting school. He sits in the car and he's grumpy and he's like... <gasps> <laughs> and he's, and he's, been, he's been spitting at us and it's like, Aww. what the heck, Knox? I mean, honestly, we're, like, we're deep in the jungle with kids and we've got a two-year-old. Yeah. But we're fresh. We're only eight years into the journey, so we're not professionals. We're still learning. Yes, we are. I think we're all learning, yeah. if we're going to be honest. That You never get it right. You're never perfect. Mm. But yeah. it's always a work on. yeah. So this morning's thoughts, um, they are not thoughts, I just want to put a disclaimer out there, they're not just our thoughts, okay? We are not coming to this as people who feel like we've done eight years of parenting and because of eight years, we've like nailed it. I'm very aware that there's many people in the room who have a lot more experience than us and could share a lot more things. So today, we want to approach this from a biblical point of view. We want to share some thoughts that we believe the Bible can teach us about how we can parent to the best of our ability. But also, I want to remind us, and I really believe in this, that we are all just unfinished children, okay? So, so we have, we will share some thoughts as well that are from our experience as children, which you may relate to. You may even share uh, similar thoughts. We're all just kids. We've, we've been through that. So, and uh, yeah, shout out to our parents, mum and dad, and your mum and dad. Um, for all the stories we're about to share. No, <laughs> no there's not too many. Um, but what we, what we are not going to do right now is talk about unachievable ideals. We're going to talk about what's real, okay? We're going to get a little bit real about parenting. Um, I, I believe that, in fact, the, f- the first thing that we should talk about is figuring out, as parents, the tension between what is a great ideal and what is actually real. What is, it, what is real in terms of our parenting life? Am, am I holding my children to an unrealistic expectation, even in the adult stages, or am I able to actually take it as a grain of salt and accept the realities of family life, of just life in general and life in the kingdom of God? You might be here and you've seen um, someone's Instagram posts on family life and you've thought that's what it is. That's, that's what it should be. That's, that's the goal. We have potentially these, uh, these, these ideals or these goals or these thoughts, these expectations on what family life should be. But we have to remember that everything we see on, say, Instagram, let's be honest, is just an Instagram reel. It's a highlight reel. It's just a, it's kind of a, a story of all the good things. We don't see what's happening in the background, the fights and the, 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 uh, the, the mess and the piles of laundry and all the arguments that happen in, in the home. And so I want us today to come with this mindset of we're not trying to find a way to get some sort of out there ideal. We just want to figure out what is real, what can apply to our lives. Because I want to say right from the outset, there is never, ever a perfect parent and never, ever perfect children. We, we can't raise perfect parents. We cannot raise perfect kids. That's an ideal that's an ideal. That's like a, a great goal. 
But I feel like if that is our expectation, we will always fall short of that. We will always feel disappointed. And even if you read all through the Scripture, there are stories and stories of imperfect families and imperfect uh, parents and children. Let me give you some examples. There's a story about a, a family, uh, very well known, Adam and Eve. And uh, something happened in their family, and, and I don't know if you know this, but sin actually entered the world through Adam and Eve. It's quite a, a major issue, quite, disfu- quite dysfunctional uh, in a way. And then their sons, Cain and Abel, well, um, one of them killed uh, his brother, and so that's kind of a little bit of a dysfunction and imperfection in family life. We read about, of course, Abraham, the father and founding father of faith. And Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. So are you. So I don't know. Let's just praise the Lord. Abraham almost sacrificed his son Isaac. Rebecca, who was Isaac's wife, told her son Jacob to appear before Isaac when he was old and kind of blind to pretend as if he was his brother to steal his birthright blessing. Joseph, we know Joseph, his brothers sold him to an Egyptian slave trader. David, the great king. Oh, great King David, who was a man after God's own heart. He was a home wrecker. <laughs> he, he, looked, he saw Bathsheba showering on the roof, <laughs> bathing on the roof and liked the look of her. And so, man, I mean, if you know the story, you know what happened, it's kind of crazy. Uh, Solomon, David's son, he had 700 wives, princesses, 300 concubines to add to that. Um, imagine he had a lot of children to parent. Um, just out there. We read about Jesus' parents, Joseph and Mary. Even they forgot their son when they went to the temple one day. They were halfway home, getting back to where they came from, and they realised our son wasn't with us. We're actually going on a family holiday uh, today after this. It would be like us getting to Murchison on our way down south and realising we left Knox in the kids' halls. (laughs) If you were to hear of that, you would be like, come on, these parents need to sort it out. But this is a great illustration. I I think it's awesome to point out it's a whole line of imperfect people And not only that, actually, this is a whole line of imperfect people that actually were the generations that would lead to the coming of our perfect Saviour, Jesus Christ. It is His family line and there's many other situations and stories, but it is all these people that were so imperfect in their approach to parenting and family life. So let me just say right from the outset, you can drop the pressure. Man, you can stop aiming for perfection. The goal today is not to be and have a perfect family. It's just to be a little bit less dysfunctional. <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh... So Alicia, let's talk about it. Six biblical ideas. Okay, six biblical ideas. And, and let me just say, not with the goal of becoming perfect, just, just real stuff. I don't know about you, but every time I come here, I want to leave a little bit better. And so this, that's our hope that today we leave a little bit better. Six things. Let's Six things. Yeah. Let's go. The time is on. It is. I'm excited. By All right. By the way, we're, we're managing this space well. We've got four devices on here for this. <laughs> you wouldn't... Sh- anyway, no, I got this. All right. I'm joking. <laughs> hey. I love you. I love you too. It was a bit weird. Which is why I'm going to talk about the first one. Words on the screen. Do we have the the slide? Words have power. 
There is power in the words that we choose to speak over our children. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue is powerful. And we've all experienced it before when someone's spoken a word over you, a negative word, how it affects you, even a positive word, what it does to you. And I believe as, as godly parents, as grandparents, or maybe you're not even in, in that area, maybe you haven't yet had kids or you haven't been able to, you're still called to be a mother to the motherless. You're still called to be a father to those who don't have a father. And you can choose to speak a life of God's words over your children because words matter. And it's very easy to forget that our words matter. You know, even just words like go away or just little words when you're feeling grumpy with your children or bothered by them, how much it really affects them. It's like a little bit like a, a war on a fitness check, like a checkup on your words. What's the language like to your children, to your grown-up children, to your grandchildren? How do you speak to them? And it's quite challenging to when you think like, you know when you see like someone come to your house or you see your friends and how you greet them? It's usually like, hey, long time no see. Do you greet your kids like this? Do you greet your adult growing up children like this? I think it's a real challenge when you think, do my kids experience me the way that my friends experience me? Do they get the same sort of love, the same sort of greeting? I think it's so important that no matter what age your children are, whether you have got children who have got children or whether your children are little, that you are speaking words over them. You are reminding them that they are loved. When was the last time you told your child they are loved? that you love them, that God loves them, that they are blessed, that they are purposed, that they are here for a reason, that God loves them. I think there's power when you claim God's promises over your children, when you speak them over them, and not just in your head, but when you speak them out loud. I believe God works when you actually speak it aloud, and when your kids even hear it, in the first book of the Bible, in Genesis, the first, when you look at it, the first town, on me. The first seven verses, they start with, and God said. God spoke and it came to pass. He spoke of the earth being made, you know, the animals, the mountains. He spoke and it happened. And you know, I believe if we can incorporate that into our life, if we can speak, then allow God to move. If we can speak words over our children, they may come to pass. It's like sowing seeds. We're not going to see it straight away. But if we keep on sowing, there will be a harvest and it will come too. You know, speaking over them, even telling them, like when was the last time you saw your child, even your grown up child and said to them, you are full of purpose. You are made in God's image. You are wonderful. No matter what your friends say, you are purposeful. Even speaking over them as they sleep, like our daughters had a few sleep issues. The last two Sundays before church, I've had no sleep. I've been had a child awake from 11 at night till 3am. Me too. And it's, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been in the room, but no, we've been dealing with this. And to the point where at one point I was like, what is, like, is this demonic? Like, what is going on? And then, like, I'm serious, because you try and cover all options and you're like, what is going on with you? And that's just a young child. Any child can have this, no matter what age. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to gather scripture. I'm going to claim the scriptures. So I went and looked up like three verses that speak about sleep and peace. May your sleep be peaceful. May you rest well. When I started looking those up and then speaking it over her as she slept, you know, praying for her, even encouraging her with it. And often as parents, you can get stuck with when you're parenting and when you're doing things and you forget that God's word is the best answer. His words are the best. If you don't know what to say, you turn to his word. If you don't know how to encourage your child, turn to the Psalms, turn to Proverbs. Use the scripture to speak life over your children, over your grandchildren. 
God wants us to speak his words over our children so they may hear them over and over. And even if they get sick of it, you keep going. You keep going. Fathers, tell your daughters they are beautiful. Speak those words over it. Remind them daily when they're getting ready, when they're in the mirror looking at themselves, how beautiful they are, how they are made in God's image. Speak into their worlds. You know, mothers, the same. We should be loving on our sons. Even if you've got a grown-up son, call him. Call him in his lunch hour. Love on him. No matter what age you are, like we're growing up, you still need your parents' words. You still need them to speak into your world. Remind them why God made them. I think there is such power when you speak into your kids' lives, into your grandchildren's lives, into your older children, your adults' children's lives, to speak into them, to speak words over them. It's good. good. Yeah, it's great. Second thing is, um, and I like this, this is um, interesting, discipline slash disciple them. Um, I was disciplined, and I was disciplined a lot, actually, and um, I've got some stories of being sent home from school camps and being picked up by my father. And then discipline was that I was stood down from any involvement in church. I wasn't allowed to sing on stage, all that type of thing, just because I threw a tree off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when um, my dad caught us. We were sneaking out at Tata Beach. It was a good time until he found us. Um, and uh, Pastor Brent comes around the corner. It's like, oh, oh dear. Oh, shivers. That was bad times. But this is the scripture I want to share. Proverbs 13, verse 24. Whoever spares the rod hates their children. Um, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Um, the root word of discipline, of course, is disciple, which comes from this Latin word, discipulus, meaning student, a disciple. We know is to be a follower in, in, in our context as a follower of, of Jesus. But a reality is that actually a disciple is a student, is someone who is studying. Discipline in the household, in the family, lovingly points us in the direction, not of destruction and pain, but of peace and harmony. Therefore, discipline should be considered for each and every one of us lifelong and a lifelong friend. Proverbs 12 verse 1 says, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is in fact stupid. That's a New King James Version, in case you're wondering. It says that it is stupid. I want to encourage us to raise smart children by teaching them to appreciate the benefits of discipline. The benefits of discipline. Think of it as if you were to be planting a small young tree. You would plant a rod beside it, a stick beside it, a bamboo stick, and you'd get something to strap it up to help it in the early years to actually grow in the direction that you would like it to grow or want it to grow or just to assist it in its growth. And that's exactly what our children need. Not a domineering and thoughtless father or mother. In fact, a domineering and thoughtless father or mother's actions would be and could be discouraging and harmful for our kids. We will struggle to raise them up if all we are ever doing is putting them down. So parents, we're to play this crucial God-ordained role in the not just discipline, but the discipleship, the studying, the teaching of our children. And I want to say that our discipline should not just be our own thoughts and ideas, but actually I love this idea of discipline in the Lord. Discipline in the Lord. 
parental discipleship and discipline and instruction that is from God, that is God-centered, God-based. It has Him in the center of it and they have a certain type of practice. This is Ephesians 4 verse 25. In case you're wondering, it's, it's, it's titled Instructions for Christian Living. It says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those who are in need. It goes on and says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to what? Their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Instructions for Christian living. You can look that up. You can read that. But I really feel like these, this, even just this scripture alone is incredible guidelines for what we should actually discipline our children in. Not just, hey, you need to t- tidy your room or you need to do this or you need to do that or we need to get in the car and get to school, like, like all of this type of thing. Like actually, what if, we were little, go, what if we were to go a little bit deeper and discipline for discipleship on things like anger and lying and theft and unwholesome talk and bitterness and rage and slander about building others up, being kind, compassionate and forgiving, forgiving others. Forgiving others. Explain the why to your discipline. I think my parents did a good job of explaining why to me. So I learned quickly not just what to do, but actually why I should do it. Because you know, what is not a great motivation? If you have the why, you have a great motivator for the action, right? So it's a greater depth of understanding. But understand today that our discipline is not to make them a disciple of you. It's to make them a disciple of Jesus. So what does that look like for us? What would that mean for you? Um, what do you have to kind of bring into check to make, it, make sure that actually our discipline is wrapped around something that is God-centred, not just us-centred? Cool. The third one is make the most of time. And there's a scripture we're going to pop up and it says, Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. And you'll be all agree with me, the days are long, but the years are short. Every season we go through with our kids in the moment, they seem so long. Whether you're in the nappy season and you're always changing nappies or whether you're having to tie their shoes, you're going, when are they going to be able to tie their shoes? Or maybe you're in the teenage years when it's like, when are they going to get out of bed? They just always seem to sleep. Or maybe their bedroom is empty and they've gone to university or they've married their best friend. And just like that, those years went way too fast. And it's not until you've been through the season and you're out the other side, then you have that kind of like moment of like, oh wow, that season really did go too quickly. That time passed way too quickly. Even though it seemed like the longest time, it just went like that. The days are long, but the years are short. And there's so much truth in this. The days are long. And, you know, as parents, what are we doing to make the most of the days? What are we doing to make the most of the time with our children, our grandchildren, our grown-up children? I love this quote from Ian Grant, and it's going to be on the screen. It's, how does a kid spell love? And it's T-I-M-E, time. Time is how a kid feels loved. When I was young, my dad was really good at 
and making time for us kids. He knew my love language was quality time. So from when I was probably like eight or nine, we started going on like hot chocolate dates or we'd go on a Saturday morning down to Whitgall's to get a new pretty journal and a cool pen to write with. And uh, I even remember in high school, he would take me out for coffees to the point where sometimes, sorry, Dad, I remember being a mess, being like, I'm bored. Dad, do you want to go for a coffee? And he's like, yeah. Um, But that was something that we shared together and he picked up very quickly. uh, That's what I enjoyed, the quality time. He would, when I was a young girl on Valentine's Day, I would get um, envelopes slipped under my door with a beautiful Valentine's Day card from my dad of all the things he loved about me. And you know, for girls, for daughters, girls love pretty things. They love little notes. They love all that kind of stuff. And if you can do that from a young age, even as a grown-up daughter, it's beautiful. It's what children need. But what I loved is that he knew that I loved quality time. And so he took the time to show me that he was interested in those things and that he loved me by doing this. The question is, are you spending time with your children, your grandchildren and your grown-up children? And do you know what they love? Do you know their love language? How does your child feel loved? How does your 30-year-old child feel loved? What is it that you can do to make them feel loved? What makes them come alive? What makes them spark with joy? Our daughter Brioni loves creating. I love creating. And so now I let her create with me. It's definitely hard because it gets messy and she has different ideas, but it's quality time together and it makes her feel loved. And you know when you've spent time with them because they then turn to you and go, man, that was the best thing ever, mum. Man, that was fun. I love doing that with you. And the conversation changes the more you spend time with them. That when you find something to do together. When was the last time you, you took your, your son out for coffee? Or you said, hey, just go out for dinner? Or when you even put down the chores and went and played ball with your son in the backyard? There's nothing quite like the feeling when you spend time with your kids, no matter what age they are, even your grandchildren, and they are buzzing off it. So this is like a practical thing. It's like, what is a new hobby that you can do with your children, your grandchildren, or your growing up children? Find a way to spend time with them, how to fill their tank up, build the trust, build the conversation. Because remember, even in the younger years, you're sowing seeds. And so that when they're in their growing up years, they're going to want to spend time with you. Ring them on the phone. And I also really felt like when I was writing this, that God was saying he wants you to reconnect with your children. He wants you to reconnect with them. Maybe you've got adult children that you haven't talked to in years. God wants you to reconnect with them. You know, we, we have coffee dates with our friends. We book, we book meetings in with them. Imagine if we did it with our grown-up children or our children. We said, let's hang out. We're going to hang out on Tuesday at 10 o'clock. Take them out of school. Yeah. When we were um, doing this, though, I was thinking of, like, remember a pie chart? We're going back to school. Pie charts. I had to Google to, like, relook at what they look like and how it works. And I drew a pie chart up, and I worked out for the kids the percentage of time they spent with me. Most of us at school, there's, like, a 10% in the morning getting ready, in the car, leaving school, screaming at them to brush their teeth. I don't know. You, you, you can kind of imagine your pie chart. But I, I did it, and it was really confronting when you look at it and you practically see visually as well how much time you spend with your kids. And it's not much time at all. And you think, you think it's a lot of time. I once timed myself with the kids. I was like, I'm going to hang out with you. Let's time it. And then after a while, I was like, man, it's been a while. I was like, oh, it's only been two minutes. <laughs> well, we're all guilty of it, right? But I want to encourage you, when you go home, do a pie chart. Do a pie chart based off your grown-up children. When do you see them? Is it 10% in the week? Or could it be more? 
Our children need time with us. That's great. Fantastic. This uh, fourth one, and we uh, need to keep motoring on. Just go. All right. Is uh, get planted. And this is Psalm 92, verse 12. This is we familiar for some people. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age and they will stay fresh and green. They'll stay fresh and green. Being planted in the house of the Lord is a key thing for children, but for all families to flourish and to grow well, to grow well. Um, and I actually think of your brother Harrison, and um, he's, he's not here today, so let's talk about him. No. Um, <clears throat> when he was like 12, 11, 12, 13, he would sit in the back, uh, back in a row with um, Mark and Liz and, and they, you know, he'd be there in, in the room, uh, not really enjoying church. He'd be on his phone. He'd be like playing games on his phone. I actually rang him yesterday to check that I could actually talk about him. And he was like, yeah, man, do it. And I said, oh yeah, remember how you'd sit on the phone? He told me yesterday his favourite part of being in church was that he got to get a new high score on Call of Duty Mobile, like on his phone. <laughs> And um, it's just, it was awesome. It was awesome. We're just t- talking about it. But then he turned 14 and we needed a youth drummer. We needed someone to play drums in youth. And so he's like, oh, okay, I'm, I've kind of had a couple lessons. And I talked with Mark and Liz about it. And he started getting lessons from Jesse Gaskell and he'd just get a song and he'd learn a song. And he'd learn that song so that he could play it in the youth. And I remember we have a photo of his first night uh, playing drums. This him. He's on his he's phone. On phone. It's flipping egg playing Call of Duty. But he's, uh, I think he just turned 14 and he played one song and it was just the beginning. And then he played in, sun, in Sundays and he played like every youth camp and he just got so involved. And I was talking to him yesterday and he said that when he got a purpose in the house of God and when he found that place of connection and people to do life with, that everything changed in how he viewed church, right? He was all of a sudden just so committed and connected. And I tell you what, he loved, he loved church. I think Harrison's story may be similar to many other stories and many other um, families. I'm not saying that church and playing drums are his salvation. Jesus is the only one that can save him. Jesus is his only salvation. But church was able to work as a conduit, was able to connect him, was able to get people around him in a community that could just like build him up. And I think that is so, so key and so important because the church is here to help you, to connect you, to correct you at times and to encourage you to always be on your side and to potentially give you a place where you can find out and work out your passions. But sometimes it takes a parent, like what Mark and Liz did, to say, we're gonna pay you for drum lessons and we're gonna encourage you and we're gonna drop you at rehearsals and we're going to bring you early and we're going to we're just going to invest into this because we really believe that actually yeah, the church is going to help you and so I want to encourage us today parents choose to plant yourself in church plant yourself in church I believe this is a great a great thought what one generation finds optional the next generation will find unnecessary So if we continue as parents to treat church as if it's an optional thing, ah man, when the weather's bad and we can't go out and do something fun, 
then we'll go to church. If there isn't a big sports game on, then we'll go to church. If we have a certain person preaching, then we'll go to church. We will start to see our children and our children's children and the next generation start to slip away from being planted in the house because they never viewed it as necessary for their life, for their spiritual development and for their walk with Jesus. If you want your child to flourish, get them planted in the house of God. Get them planted in church. Get them around people that can help them. Help them stay fresh and green by getting them planted. Yeah. The next one is to put your relationship on display. This is a good one. The next generation right now, they need grandparents, they need parents that are showing the way of life with Jesus. Deuteronomy 11, 18, 21 says, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land of the Lord swore to give your ancestors as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. Do you talk about the Bible, do you have it on display? Do you have your relationship of God on display for your children to see? Where does your Bible sit? Does it sit in a drawer on your bedside table or does it sit out in the open? I have mine lying around. The kids know it's my Bible. When was the last time your kids saw you reading your Bible? Like if they don't see you reading it, then why should they read their Bible? I think it's so powerful as parents, as grandparents to talk about God in your home. Talk about what He's doing when you're out walking, talk about nature, what God has made. Make it just a part of your language. Don't just hide it, you know. It's like that scripture, you know, when you hide your light under under a what's the word? Yeah, it's under a lamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's I think it's also meant for your children too. That applies to children. You're meant to let your light shine for your friends, Come but on. your children. Come on. Great. Your children need to see your light shining of how much you love Jesus. Talk about it when you're in the car, when you're having breakfast. Don't just pray at bedtime. I hear people say they just do bedtime prayers. You should do more than bedtime prayers. You should pray all the time. Great. Encourage them to pray at school. Encourage them to pray when they're nervous, when they're going to work, awesome. when they're off to something they haven't done before. Even with your adult children. And this is something that my dad does. And often he'll give me his journal and he'll have a fresh revelation. He's like, come on, let's read it. I'm like, really, Dad? Do I have to sit here and read it? But you know what? I was thinking about this and how like we often have chats about God. And I thought, you know what? It's important when you're young, but it's even more important when you're growing up. Yeah. If you're a grown-up parent, you need to tell your children about Jesus no matter what age. You need to. And there's power. Like, I'm 32 soon, but there's power when I see my parents and Jared's parents sharing what's God, what God has done. Even when they share the battles and what they're going through. When you're parents share that with you. It's like, oh, of course God is with us. And it's cool to see that your parents are still active in their faith with God. Don't ever stop being a parent to your children, no matter what age, even grandparents. Talk about what Jesus has done. Ask your your grandchildren, what did you read in the Bible this week? What have you learned in, in kids' church? Use that as a conversation starter. I believe as parents, we need to share what God is doing with our children. We need to live and breathe it, talk about it. Often I'll make, I make the kids read the Bible all the time. And they're like, oh, do we have to? I'm like, you have to. You are reading it. Whether you like it or not, we are reading God's Word. You are having it put into you. You're going to hear it day and night. Because I know that when I get to heaven and I walk through those gates, I want my children in heaven with me. 
I want my kids in there. And even though you don't always see it right now, you are sowing seeds as parents. You are sowing seeds as grandparents. And even if your growing up children are like, don't pray for me, you pray for them. You pray for the grandchildren. They can't turn you away. They're blood. You're their grandparents. You keep praying for them. You sow those seeds. I think it's so important that we have our relationship on display with our children. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Really good. Great words. Um, last thing, and then and then we'll pray and we'll pray together. This is um, this is something that we really felt that we needed to share um, this morning. And this last thing, biblically, and it, it really is sound. It's for beyond just parenting, but it's this: do not fear. Don't fear. Appreciate your support, Daniel. This goes beyond parenting in so many ways. I hear of so many parents though that are in fear, living in fear for the future and for the future of their children. Fear of what job they'll have. Fear for their health and safety. Fear for what, maybe for the relational component. Fear that they won't like them as parents. Fear that they'll be led by a woke society. Fear that they won't be in heaven with you one day as Alicia just spoke about. Fear we understand though is just false evidence appearing real. It's just thoughts about something that may happen. It might happen. But the Bible teaches us what? Not to worry about anything, not to fear, but to pray about everything. It will either motivate you or it will cripple you. That's what fear will do. Fear will either get you up and get you going in the morning, get you working on some things, or it will stop you in your tracks. But 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. No, He hasn't. But He has given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Our children, they don't need to have fear set as an example in the household because they will see that everywhere else that they look. It's all over Instagram. It's all in their schools. It's, it's everywhere in society. But our homes need to be a place of strength and security. They need to be a place where there's an example of power, of authority in the Name of Jesus, that we know who already has the victory. It needs to be a place where there's an example of love because we know that perfect love drives out all fear. Where there is love, there is no space for fear and that is just an example and a representation of the fear that we have through our amazing Father our Heavenly Father who is unconditional love has no space for fear in it that's what we need to represent and an example of a sound mind my parents taught me that if you are having a moment of fear it's just an opportunity to exercise your faith faith in God who is always willing to provide faith in God who will protect who restores relationships and who will outlast let me say this a movement and a moment of wokeness because God's identity stays the same yesterday today and forever right so identity doesn't shift if we are made as we are in the image of Jesus Christ in the image of God then it is as it is in Him combat your fear with prayer keep praying for the next generation and I want us to pray today for anyone who feels maybe a parent, there's three things. We wanna pray for anyone who feels like they're a parent that is afraid. We wanna pray for anyone who is feeling like their parents failed them. Just for anyone who's like, man, they feel disappointed about their upbringing, that it was tough. It was not what they feel like they expected or, or needed. Uh, they, there was something that was just missing. We really want to declare that agape love, that unconditional love, that father love that says it doesn't matter 
what you've done or who you are. There's nothing that in fact you could even do to earn more of this love. We wanna speak that out over you. And we also wanna pray for a homecoming for lost sons and daughters. Oh man, we have it on our hearts so much right now for all of the, let's just call them the prodigal sons and daughters who maybe have walked away from faith. We wanna take a moment to pray for them too. Um, so let's do that, shall we? This is one last scripture. With every eye closed, every head bowed, just in, in a moment, just to focus in on, on God. Romans 8 verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you have received brought you about brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are now God's children. And if we are His children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings, we also share in His glory. We are His children. We are made His children through the work of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us are included and adopted into the sonship of the Kingdom of God. We have the right to cry, Abba, Father, that this God, that He is our Father. And right now, we just pray, Lord, over everyone in this room, Lord, everyone online, God, we just thank You. Lord, we don't have to fear. There should be no fear in our parenting and in, in all ages, for all all stages, God, that we would not be afraid of what people think of us. We'd not be afraid of, of what our children think of us, if they respect or don't respect or, or whatever. We wouldn't be afraid of what the world says because we know that even though we are in the world, that we are not of the world, that we are beyond that. Father, we just, we just thank You right now. Lord, that fear would be replaced with faith and a faith in God, who You are a faith in Your incredible hand on our lives and on our children's lives. God, we just speak that out. We just receive that right now. Thank You, Lord. God, we just lift up everyone in this room right now, Father, that that is maybe carrying disappointment from when they were parented, from when their parents raised them. Maybe they're feeling like their parents were a failure, like they didn't, didn't give it all or they've just missed out, Father. I pray for their hearts right now, God. I pray that you would come right now, that you would begin to do a work, Lord God. That you would heal the areas that are carrying hurt, that are carrying offence, disappointment, Father. I pray that your Spirit would fill it up right now with love, fresh love, Father. I pray that, Lord, that you as a Father, the greatest Father of all, would come right now and sweep into their lives, God. That you would take their, their eyes off what has been a failure and put it on you, God that You are perfect, Lord God, that you, they would put it on You right now, Father God. I just pray for the pain, the pain to be gone right now in Jesus' Name. I pray for the areas where they have felt let down, God, that that would be gone, that would be broken off in Jesus' Name right now, Father. I just pray for Your love to come in and sweep in, God. Would You fill them back up, Lord God? Would You fill in those areas of disappointment, Father? We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info or visit our website.